Thank you for tuning in to the Maximum Advisor podcast. If you're a growth-minded financial advisor looking to grow and scale your practice, you're in the right place. Your host, Chip Munn, brings tips and best practices based on his experiences and has guests from financial advisors to industry experts sharing wisdom with one another because we're better together. And now, Chip Munn. Welcome back to the Maximum Advisor. I am Chip Munn, your host, and today I am excited to be joined by my friend, Alan Moore. Alan is the CEO and co-founder of the XY Planning Network, a.k.a. their director of Speeding Things Up. He's the host of the XYPN radio podcast, and he's the CEO of AdvicePay, which is a company that serves as a payment processor for financial advisors. Alan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited. Well, I am too. It's, it's great to get uh, a chance to, to talk to you again. Uh, Alan, one of the things that I, I tend to like to do is have folks tell us a little bit about themselves, just so that our listeners can get a feel for where your CEO and, and director of speeding things up, all those things sound. Uh, but, but it's always nice to get an idea of where folks come from. Tell us a little bit about how you got here. Absolutely. So I've spent my career in financial planning. So I got my undergraduate and master's degrees in family financial planning from the University of Georgia and started chasing snow. I'm originally from the South. I, I have lost some of my accent, but um, some some people still pick up on it. But uh, moved out to South Dakota, uh, ended up in Wisconsin, working for a couple different fee-only RIAs and uh, got myself fired from my last one at the old age of 25. And you just sort of looked at, at, at myself and at some point you change jobs often enough that you realize that maybe I'm the problem and not my bosses. Maybe I'm just not built to be an employee. And so made the decision to start my own RIA there. At, again, I was 25 years old living in a, a city I'd never lived in before, Milwaukee. But, you know, I, I, I just kind of felt like maybe I, I should just do my own thing. So I uh, launched my own RIA, Serenity Financial Consulting, with the mission of, of helping my generation. Because, you know, people would ask, well, how are you going to find 65-year-old millionaires that'll work with you? I'm like, well, probably not. <laughs> you know, just like, uh, probably not going to happen. But I do know people in their 20s and 30s. And people would say, well, they don't have any money to, for financial planning. And while they were, they were correct that they didn't have any assets saved to support an asset-based fee, uh, they did have income. They did have the ability to pay because they had cash flow to pay for financial planning. And so started my business sort of under that, that service model of, hey, why don't, I just get, why don't I just charge my clients and get paid for advice? And, and so that would have been in 2012. I uh, had some success. I ended up moving my firm to Bozeman, Montana, where I, I now reside because I figured, hey, I'm an entrepreneur. I own my own business to, to be able to live my own great life. And my great life, I felt like was in Bozeman, not in Milwaukee. So packed everything up, moved out here and kept getting questions from younger advisors in particular that were saying, hey, how did you start your own firm? How do you manage compliance? What CRM do you select? How do you get clients? And uh, ended up teaming up with my now business partner, Michael Kitsis, the, the blue shirt, as most people know him, and said, hey, I think there's a business model here helping financial planners start and run their own business. And so we launched XY Planning Network in 2014. So we're coming up on, we're about five and a half years in now, you know, with the goal of, hey, let, let's help a few dozen advisors. We sort of saw, saw this as a side project, never, never envisioned that uh, it would be anything more than that. And uh, ended up really hitting the ground running. 
and I'll say XY Planning Network has been a bit of a rocket ship. So uh, we have just over, uh, I think, 1,050 advisors now that are part of our network. We've got a team of, of almost 50 uh, team members now, most of which are based here in Bozeman. Yeah, so that, that's sort of a, a quick hit of my sort of career path and, and what led me here today. That's amazing that you could start with an idea that you wanted to do something different and, and just be committed enough to it to keep doing it and eventually kind of find your niche, niche. I, I've heard you and Michael both <laughs> say it, it different yep. ways, but instead of, in your case, finding your own niche of, of clients, it became, you, you found a particular niche of financial advisor that shared your idea of the ability to have kind of this alternative fee model and and or, and or to work with that next generation investor and just do it in a different way. I think that's a really cool thing to have been able to do. Keep following that passion. As you were you were sitting down, kind of talk me through one of the, the things that I hear from, we'll say seasoned advisors, because those of us who have, have been around you know, 20 plus years, we don't like considering ourselves older advisors. One of the, the pushbacks I hear is really kind of around the idea of having the conversation with a client about charging a planning fee. Sure. How do you speak to that? Yeah, I mean, I think there's we could go a couple different directions with this. I mean, one is, you know, I, I do know listeners, especially, you know, when we started five years ago, no one was talking about monthly subscriptions. And and we've really just seen that blossom and grow even outside of the fee-only RAA marketplace. We're seeing more and more broker-dealers and independent broker-dealers and even wirehouses having this conversation about charging for planning. You know, advisors will ask me, oh, like, should I have a monthly subscription service? You know, should I charge monthly? And, and my answer is always, well, who's your ideal client? Tell me who your ideal client is, and then we can talk about the best way for them to pay you. Because if you're working with millionaire baby boomers, just keep charging AUM. You know, that's fine. It's a it's a great business model. But don't tell me you can't work with a 25-year-old or a 30-year-old, even though you want to, because they don't meet your asset minimums. Well, that's not a client problem. That's a business model problem. So first off, let's just open the door to say it is possible. You can do it profitably. So how do you go about that? I, I'm going to sit down with a 35-year-old client that that has some specific needs and they don't have any assets saved. So I'm going to have to charge them a fee for financial planning. In the end, selling financial planning is a whole lot harder than than selling a widget or a car because it's an intangible. I mean, you know, what, what we do for our clients is really help them simplify their their financial life, help them achieve, you know, peace of mind, help them live their great life. What it, whatever your thing is and, and how you describe it, it is a little bit intangible. But in the end, clients never, I've never heard of a client that woke up on a random Wednesday morning and said, you know what I want to do today? Go talk to a stranger about money. That sounds like fun. They don't. Something has happened in their life that has pushed them over the proverbial cliff of having to come talk to us. No one wants to talk about money. It's the last taboo that we have in our culture. If they are coming in to talk to you for the first time, it is because they need help with something. They have something going on in their life that has forced it. When you can identify what that issue is and then identify for them how you're going to solve that issue for them, they will gladly pay you a fee, a healthy fee for helping them solve that problem because that's why they're there. So whether that's it can be a positive, so they you know, or you know maybe they just inherited money, they're getting married, they they're having a baby, could be a negative, you know that they're getting divorced or or that they're having some other challenge. Uh, they may have a, a life transition coming. They want to sell their business or they're thinking about retirement or or uh, thinking about starting a business. I mean, obviously, so many different topics that they can come to us with. But if if someone comes in with that issue and they're willing to come sit down with us, you just have to be able to identify the issue. 
connect what you do and, and show them how you're going to help them solve that pain point that they have. And, and then set an appropriate fee that compensates you for your time and energy and expertise and, and you know, allows you to show value to the client. You know, in a recent benchmarking survey of XY Planning Network members, I mean, our advisors have a 50% close rate with prospects coming in the door. So 50% of the clients who sit down with one of our advisors are signing up for financial planning services and they are paying a fee for planning because all of our advisors charge fees for financial planning. So anyone who says clients won't pay for it is quite honestly, they're kidding themselves. Hey, that's 50% more people paying for financial planning, particularly up front, than the average advisor is charging. So, I mean, you're you're getting 50% more of the upfront business than you were going to get just by asking. And, and, you know, I, I think that that's a, you know, that's a confidence problem that a lot of us have. I, I'll admit to the fact I've been in the business for 21 years. It's within the last year that I charged a flat planning fee for the first time. I had somebody come in and say, I'm not doing AUM. Everybody wants to do AUM. And I said, okay. And, and I basically calculated the annual AUM in my head. And I said, yep. we'll do it for this much. You know, I'm in the independent broker-dealer space. And at least as far as I know right now, we don't have the ability to do it monthly. Maybe we can get advice pay set up with, uh, with my broker-dealer. And he said, that's fine. You know, and I forget it. I mean, it was $2,500 a quarter, I think. And he had no problem with that. He just didn't like the idea of, you know, the fee. And it was hard. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's uncomfortable the first time, like a lot of things. And sometimes I think that we just have to just make our mind up that we're going to say it and let it work out how it does. And it sounds to me like, yeah, it's working out pretty well for, for your members because, I mean, the alternative is doing 100% of work for free on the front yeah, end. You, you've got it. I mean, it, this is an advisor confidence issue and or challenge, I should say. And also just what is your core service model? If your core service model is investment management and that is the value that you provide, that's what you lead with. Financial planning is a freemium that's used to gather assets, okay? And if that's your model, that's your model. I'm not going to judge you for it. I, I, I just chose to not run my business that way. I chose that, and, and our advisors at XY Planning Network have chosen that in the end, we're going to lead with planning, that, that the core service that we offer is financial planning. And we may also do investment management, but, but that could, you don't have to, just like with a client that you just mentioned. Uh, so it's really what service are you leading with? And you know, I do believe that if you lead with financial planning, Charging an AUM fee, which has nothing to do with the actual planning, uh, to your point, you're giving away the valuable service and charging based on the the less valuable service, which is investments. So uh, it is a bit of a mind shift. But I, I'll say anyone who says it does it can't work is, is incorrect. You can say that you're not comfortable with it or, or you don't like the idea. That's fine. That that's your call. But uh, clients are willing to pay for financial planning if they can see the value. And and if you are confident in the value, confident in the service, and and confidently you know say the fee, then yeah, advisors will or, or clients will sign up for that service. So what would you say to the advisor who says, I have to bill every month or every quarter, but sometimes I don't do anything, you know, that the client sees we're not meeting, I'm I'm not having something. How do you deal with, uh, with that objection? Yeah, I mean, I do like to say monthly or quarterly billing doesn't mean it's a monthly or quarterly service. So I, I like to frame it more as an annual service. 
And uh, many of our advisors, so we actually provide an annual service calendar to our members, but you can come up with one of these on your own. Michael Kitsis has one on his on his blog, but really think about your ideal client and what are all the things that you're going to do for them throughout the year? And what are the meetings? What are the reviews? What are the, you know, you're going to review their tax return and help them make employee, you know, employment benefits elections in November and, and you know, tax planning in Q4. And uh, you're going to do an estate review in the summer, whatever it is. So just sort of mock up, you know, what are all the services you're going to do throughout the year? And then overlay that onto a calendar of maybe expected of when you would do it. And then the way I would communicate that to a client is, you know, here's all the things we do. There's 43 things on this list that we do for you each year or every other year. And for this, uh, you know, we charge $10,000 a year. And just to make it easier for you, you're welcome to pay us monthly or quarterly. We can't accept annual fees. So it'll be $2,500 a quarter or whatever that is, $833 a month. But in the end, you know, this is a $10,000 service and we just, you know, break it up into bite-sized pieces. And so for me, I, I'm always telling advisors, hey, focus on what you do throughout the year because it's not a monthly service. I don't encourage monthly services. Uh, now, there is a caveat that some of the states uh, do, and, and really just one or two in particular. Uh, so if you are state registered, you'll need to check with your state to double check. Sometimes if you bill monthly, they want to see activity monthly. And so a lot of advisors in those states are, are going quarterly because in the end, we do stuff for our or for our clients every quarter. So that's not a big deal. But I'll, I'll leave that one caveat. The regulators are still trying to catch up and figure out what it is that we're doing here because they're they're not exactly prepared for people doing real financial planning, it seems. Yeah, and life keeps happening every quarter or, or every month. I mean, one of the, one of the reasons that ongoing planning regarding, uh, regardless of how you're charging for it is important and relevant is because life keeps happening. And, and I think that sometimes that's just one of those things that clients forget, believe it or not, and that we have to remind them of is that's what we're here for is to, we, we tend to say we want to be the third phone call. I don't know if you ever read the book by uh, Howard Schultz. I, I don't remember which one it was. He said that part of the creation story of Starbucks was they wanted to be the third place. Everybody had home and work. They wanted to be the third mm. place. We want to be, we ex expect that people are going to call their their partner or their kids. We just want to be the third phone call. If you've got a problem, you know, that's what we're here for is to solve people's problems. And and those things continually come up. And, and that's one way that I've always tried to describe kind of why that value of having an ongoing, regardless of how it's charged for, that ongoing relationship with somebody that you can have those conversations with is really important. Yeah. I mean, another way that I like to frame this is, you know, if you pay hourly or, or only project-based, and I feel like as advisors, we become reactive to clients' problems. And clients think, oh, is this really a $200 question? Like, no. And, and they wait and they wait and they wait. And then they sort of show up in crisis mode. The reason I like having an ongoing relationship with clients is because it allows us as advisors to be proactive. It means we are being paid to look out for our clients. And when the tax law you know, comes out, and everything changes, advisors can do a review of all of their client situations and, and identify the five or 10 that may need to make a shift and call the one or two that need to move from an LLC to a C Corp now that or or whatever, you know, now that we have the, the new tax law. And so it allows us to be proactive and really be looking out for our clients versus just reactive to, you know, hey, I'll answer the phone when you call me and answer your question. And so that ongoing relationship is so valuable. I mean, there's a reason we have 97% retention rates across the industry because financial planning is so valuable. It's so personal. And so once clients really experience real financial planning, they're, they're clients for life. And the shift to fee-only or fee-based planning and, and investment management 
has really alleviated. I had a client one time back in the early 2000s say, yeah, you know what? My old advisor, one of the things I always noticed was sometime in November, he would always call with something that we needed to do. (laughs) And he said, after three or four years, I figured it out that he was calling in November so that he'd get the check in December because he had Christmas presents he was going to have to pay for. And so, you know, it's not like those folks are fooling anybody. Now, Alan, one of the things that I have just found incredibly impressive about what you guys have done at XYPN is the community you've built. I'm a big believer that people in general are meant to be in community. We're not meant to be in things alone. How did that come about? Great question. I mean, you know, when when I first started my business, uh, I didn't know anybody else that was 25 starting their own firm. But over the next year, I met other advisors who either were starting or had already started their own financial planning firm got, and, and ended up getting into a study group with some pretty well-known advisors in the space. And we called ourselves FP hackers because we were trying to hack the financial planning profession, sort of do things our own way. We were all running monthly models, working with younger clients. And so I really saw the power of, of having those that, that community, that group around me to, to be able to rely on. You know, Michael was one of the original founders of, of NextGen which is now FPA NextGen, and, and saw the power of having a community of like-minded people around you. And so when we started XY, we knew that in the end, if all we did was give technology and some marketing resources, we, we would become a coupon book. And it's like, all right, that, you know, we, we charge about $5,000 a year. So therefore, am I getting $5,000 a year value? Yes or no. But really, the, the value is going to come in the engagement with our community for a couple of reasons. I mean, one is starting a business is hard and it's lonely. You know, you go from an office environment to now you're a team of one working out of your second bedroom. And, and you know, the only person you have to talk to is, is your cat. It's tough. It, it can really, it, it, it can be a real challenge. And even if you want to stay a solo practice for your entire career, uh, you still want those people around you. And so just giving giving other, we like to call it choose your own coworkers, because uh, you can form a study group. You can work with advisors who have an, a, a similar affinity. You know, maybe you want to work with other advisors that are integrating biblically responsible principles into their planning process. Fantastic. Maybe you want to talk stock options. We've got a group of advisors that literally meet weekly. To, to talk about the recent article on stock options, which is awesome. The other thing is it's nice to be around a group of people who don't think you're crazy. Being the crazy one in the room gets old after a while. And in most financial planning circles, what our advisors are doing seems crazy. And, and they're constant, either they're constantly being told it is, or they're being held up like some magical unicorn. And so it, it's nice to be around advisors who you can say, hey, I have this idea for, you know, the, a gym membership model for financial wellness inside of a business, you know, it, for 401k participants and go, yeah, you know, mate, that is kind of a cool idea. Let's talk about that. Let, let, you know, what are the pros? What are the cons? And work through that. Uh, you go to a typical meeting of advisors and, and say that people are going to look at you like you're like you're nuts. And so, yeah, I would say that the, in the end, the, the number one membership value that we provide and, and what our members say is the most valuable thing that we offer is that community. It's the ability to ask other advisors questions, be able to tap into sort of the collective expertise. If, if there's a technical question you don't know the answer to, have this, this annuity product, and I don't know how to analyze it. Well, the guy who used to sell those and no longer does can jump in and, and we'll, we'll say, hey, here are the four or five things you need to be looking out for. Here's how to get you with the, with the illustrations. Here's how to respond. Other times, it's just the softer side of, hey, 
you know, I work with my wife. Anybody else dealing with that? Or, hey, I'm, I'm really struggling, I feel like, with depression. Uh, how are you dealing with those situations? And others will jump in and say, yeah, like I, I have a therapist or, or whatever it, it is. And so in the end, just providing that community, providing that connection uh, is the difference in, in my mind between success and, and failure for many financial planners who are ultimately entrepreneurs and starting their own business. And that's really one of the origin stories for, you know, when, when we came out and started Signature and, and we were at a regional broker dealer and, and you know, and you were a top 10 size group within a firm and you went and everybody knew you and you knew them and, and it was a very comfortable feeling. And then the we changed to an, an independent broker dealer and and a much larger kind of overall or we, we get to be independent, but you're part of a much larger kind of broker dealer community. And we went to the first uh, or actually, I went to the first national conference by myself. Mm-hmm. And the only person I knew in the room of 3,000 people was the guy who recruited me. And <laughs> all of a sudden, you went from, like you, again, at the smaller, you had a, a network of people that you could call and that you could talk to and, and that you trusted. And all of a sudden, you went from that to being alone. And, and so very quickly after that, it became, uh, all right, now we get to kind of like you said, pick our own team. Let's rebuild that same kind of feeling, but do it in an environment where we get to set more of the parameters and the rules. So you mentioned one thing, Alan, and, and I think you and I talked a little bit about this before the you know, before we press record, but you mentioned in there something. I think that it's important, and I think we're two guys who are, are comfortable kind of having part of this conversation. You, you mentioned depression, and you mentioned the, the having that group, it was a, a place that, that people could feel safe sharing that. One of the things you and I have, have talked about is how prevalent, those of us you know, who are entrepreneurial advisors, how prevalent things like depression can be. I know that you you had mentioned that you're going to be going right on a sabbatical coming yep. up, and that that was part of kind of you all's corporate culture. Uh, how did you decide that? How does the yeah? You know, how do we talk a little bit about the the importance of us taking care of ourselves? Yeah, I mean, we could talk for hours on this topic. I mean, I you know I grew up in in. People used to call it the the crazy train. Alan Alan's on his crazy train because uh, I've always been this entrepreneurial minded, big vision, but sort of bouncing around. Right? Never. It wasn't like I picked one vision and said I'm I'm going to stick with this for the rest of my life. And I was homeschooled, so I was never tested uh, as most kids would have been at a certain age for for ADD and ADHD. And so you know the the crazy train is something I've just sort of lived on. It's just who I am. I did start noticing maybe about a year ago, I started asking myself, you know, is this, is this really working for me? And so I ended up making the decision, uh, went and, and talked to a doctor and uh, was diagnosed uh, with adult ADD. And as I have researched it and, and researched what are the symptoms and what are the, the challenges with this, because uh, in the end, the, the ADD is a gift. It, it's, it's my gift that has allowed me to, I think, be successful as an entrepreneur. Uh, it's also a curse. And, and ADD, I think many of us entrepreneurs are ADD. That's why we became entrepreneurs is because the typical environment didn't work for us. But because of that, ADD comes with many risks. And so we do have a higher risk of alcoholism, addiction and things like that. And so recognizing, you know, when that's working for you and then when it's not. And and that has been a big thing for me is just really getting my head wrapped around, okay, like where am I at? Does the medication help? Does it not? 
are there times when I need it, times when I don't? And, and that's my own sort of journey that, that I'm on now is, is trying to learn about that. But, you know, one of our core values here at XY Planning Network is be well being you. I don't believe that my team members can be their best self at work if they're not their best self at home. You know, for an extreme example, I mean, the, the worst thing for one of my team members is to, is to get divorced. You know, when you get divorced, you go through a, a, probably a 12 month plus journey of just like not being productive. And so if I am doing something from a corporate work environment that ultimately leads someone to get divorced, all I'm doing is tanking my own company's productivity and, and I'm harming my team members. And so for, for us, it's really, you know, we, we believe that we need our team to be their best selves at home so that they can bring their best selves to work. And so really our entire team member benefits package around unlimited vacation time, really allowing for flex time is in supporting that. But one of them uh, is every five years, uh, you're eligible for a sabbatical. So at five years, it's a one month and at 10 years, it's two months. We also provide some money. It's $5,000 per month to help pay for the sabbatical. And, and we want to encourage our team to take that time and to really uh, reset. You know, five years is a long time. And, and to be able to go and disconnect and really clear your head and focus on you and your family or, or whatever it is that, that you want to learn, you know, there, there are a lot of different ways to do sabbaticals. And so we felt like as, a, as an executive team that if I didn't take a sabbatical, then it would tell the team that we weren't really serious and that they couldn't take one themselves. So my wife and I and our two kids will be headed to the Canary Islands in about two weeks from this recording and going to be completely disconnected for uh, right around five weeks since we'll be there over the holidays. And it's an opportunity for me to go learn. Uh, I'm going to go learn how to scuba dive. That's something I've never taken the time to do. I've always wanted to try it. And so I'm excited to be able to go and, and learn a new skill, try something new and the longest I've ever been disconnected from the business was about a week. And so it'll be a totally different experience, but uh, I'm excited both for myself as well as for the team to be sure they understand that uh, that we're for real, that we want them taking time off, that we want them focusing on their own mental health uh, and their relationship health and, and all of those things. So. Well, and I mentioned to you that you, you said the longest you've been for is for a week. I don't know that I've ever been a week where I was totally, I, I've done, I, I'm a part of the strategic coach group and they advocate for free days. And, and so I've taken, you know, four or five days on a vacation where I didn't, I committed to, or, or a week, not, not checking in at the office. But I mentioned to you earlier, I, I've got a week coming up next week that, and this is the first time I've probably ever said it publicly, uh, very recently, uh, I s celebrated six years of sobriety and, and being an entrepreneur is hard and dealing with that and the issues surrounding that. Yeah, I've been through a divorce and, and the team, not recently, thankfully, but yeah, and, and having your folks be supportive of that and realizing that the stress that we can be under sometimes can put other people under that and, and having reached that kind of point. I wanted to, for me, take some time just to catch my breath. And, and so next week, I'll be going to uh, a place in or outside of Nashville, Tennessee for a week where they take my cell phone. I mean, it's, it's scary. Uh, the idea that is, that's awesome. The idea of unplugging in, in that way. And I'm, I'm grateful my wife was supportive, encouraged me to, to go and, and do it. But I think it's important, Alan, you know, me talking a little bit about how, uh, hey, literally, man, this this profession can drive you to drinking. Uh, and it is one of those things that I'm glad that we can be a place where folks can hear about that, who can hear about the crazy train and to know that they're not the only people, you know, because it can really feel that way, that you're the only person who bounces around 
Now, I'll admit there aren't many people who necessarily want to go quite as far as, as you and I do, maybe. Maybe maybe they're, you know, I'm a nine quick start on the Colby. I am as well. <laughs> so thankfully, everybody can't be a nine Colby. But but you can, you know, again, whether it's the, you're working out of your, your second bedroom or whatever, or dealing with the, the rejection that I've had a lot of the folks in our Facebook group talk about how do you deal with with rejection? It can just be hard. And I I think it reinforces not only the the ability to or the need for things like the week that I'm taking or a sabbatical, but also the importance of knowing that you've got some folks that that you can talk to. Yeah, I mean, and entrepreneurship is a journey. It's an emotional journey. No, I've never heard. I've never heard an entrepreneur say, "Yeah, that was really easy." Starting a business itself is hard, but the emotional to- uh, toil that it takes on you, as you mentioned, is just tough. And, and I remember Jude Boudreaux telling me one time his definition of entrepreneurship is, is the highest of highs and the lowest of lows all on the same day. And that's the roller coaster that we're on. And so I do believe that to be a successful entrepreneur, you really do need to protect yourself. It is easy to turn to drinking, to, to numb the pain of a day of stress and just like that be, you know, that, that be the way that, that you either stress relieve or, or turn it off. Sometimes it can, you know, you wake up at two o'clock in the morning and you're trying to solve business problems and you're just like, ah, I just want to go back to sleep. And so you, you have to prioritize, I understand money can be tight, but Get yourself a business coach to help you to help hold yourself accountable. Get yourself a therapist. Have someone who you can talk to. Uh, if you are in a relationship, get yourself a, a marriage counselor. Okay, uh, mar- uh, marriage counseling and therapy in general is not just for people who are broken and people who are struggling. A therapist would would much prefer to see you when you're healthy uh, and be able to equip you with the tools to try to avoid some of those situations. And so go ahead and, and be actively exercising your mental health, uh, exercising your relationship health uh, in order to stay in a healthy place versus waiting until things break down. Exercise, eat right. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a CrossFitter. That, that's my stress relief is, is to go pick up heavy things and set them down. You know, that's my thing. You, you may have a different one, but finally get a community of, of people around you who can be that support system. You can't rely on just one of that list. I know it's a long list, but the successful entrepreneurs that I know in in this space and just in in business in general have many, if not all of those different components uh, on lockdown. Because if if any one thing breaks down, your physical health, your mental health, your relationship health, your spiritual health, uh, your financial health, your business will not survive. It just can't. And if it does survive, it will look nothing like what you hoped it would. So uh, you've got to take care of all those components or you're just not going to be able to be a successful business owner. No. And, you know, we're in the investment business, right? And and the best investment, in my opinion, that any of us can make is in ourselves, whether that is a coach or a course or whether that is time away or counseling. I, I think that you're, I happen to be bi-coastal in my counseling. I have one here locally, and then I have one uh, out in Hollywood, California that, that I do some talking with over the phone. And it is, sometimes you just need to get it out. It, it's not really a, you're not comfortable. You feel like you're burdening your coworkers or your spouse, and you, and you just want to, and, and being able to, like you said, keep the machine running, right? You're the product. So keep things going well. I can tell you and from personal experience that putting yourself in a situation where you are having to go to work every day and try to hold things together in a business and in a team and go through a divorce is an incredibly difficult thing to do. And so any investment that you can make 
that prevents you from having to do that is is well worth it. It, it is uh, a lot more expensive to have to deal with it in, in some other way than it is to go to uh, to get some counseling or, or take an extra week off a vacation with your partner to to reconnect. Yeah, I, rem- I remember my first boss, Rick Kaler. He he would tell clients that you know the, the greatest destroyer of wealth is divorce. It is the greatest destroyer of wealth that we have in this country. Uh, and so why wouldn't you invest some money and some time to try to avoid that? You know, and, and anyone who says like, oh, therapy doesn't help you avoid, uh, avoid divorce. Uh, well, I would ask you, then, do you really think financial planning helps people be more successful financially? I mean, we're in the same business here. We just work on financial health. They work on mental health and relationship health. So yeah, you, you got to take care of yourself and you got to take care of, of, of your relationship with your partner. So my wife and I have a commitment for next year, we, we try to do, and we've got two young kids, got a five-year-old and one-year-old, and we try to do a one night away every six weeks or so. And, and usually the night away is a hotel down the street, but we get, a, we get someone to come over and stay the night. And, and we try to do a night away and, and we try to do a weekend, a quarter, and one week a year. And so, you know, that week a year, uh, this year we went down to Mexico, got someone who uh, was a saint and came and hung out with our kids for the week uh, so we could go disconnect. And, and I know that that may not be financially feasible. I'm a little further along the entrepreneurship journey. I couldn't have done that in my first year, uh, but that's the, that's the way we survive and, and keep our relationship healthy is being sure we get that time. So don't be afraid to invest the time and the money into it, uh, recognizing again, like, I may actually sacrifice some retirement savings to be sure I'm, I'm, I'm taking these trips and t- getting these nights off with my spouse because uh, I feel like I need that for, uh, for our relationship health. Well, I promise you. I, I promise you it's cheaper. And, and for anybody who'd like to, to get more specific with me on that, you're welcome to reach out to me in the Facebook group or on Facebook. I can tell you exactly how much better off you can be from a financial standpoint. Again, investing in your relationship. And I, I think that you mentioned, Alan, the, the, the mental health field and getting counseling with what we do. I, I think that I, we recently had Josh Harris with Clemson University on the podcast talking about financial therapy. And I mean, really, if you think that a therapist can't help you, then you really don't think that you can help people. Because I'm a big believer that that's what we do. <laughs> we really are. If I could go back to school, I'd get my my degree might be in or, or maybe a, a minor in psychology because that's what we do all day every day is talk to people about their feelings. Now, the application of that is with money, but oftentimes most of the things that I spend my day talking to clients about is about life. Uh, it, you know, the money is just how you fund it. And so uh, I think that that, you know, again, if nothing else, we should be able to use that to justify to ourselves the importance of getting an outside opinion. So totally agree. Somebody said to me one time, it's hard to read the label from the inside of the bottle. (laughs) I like that. So I I think there's a lot of truth to that. Well, Alan, I want to be respectful of your time. So, uh, you know, I know that you have another engagement. One of the things that I'd be curious to know kind of as we wrap up is, you know, you've had an opportunity to do a lot of a lot of things that most people don't get to do. You you've started multiple companies. You have uh, moved following your passion for you know snow. And yep. of all the things that you've done so far, whether it's uh, personal or professional, what has been either your best experience as part of that, or what do you find yourself to be most proud of? Oh man, that's a great question. 
I, I guess I can give this, I'll give two answers. I give a personal and professional. I mean, on the personal side, uh, we didn't talk about this earlier, but but when I started my own financial planning firm and, and was approaching launching XY Planning Network, I ended up getting divorced from my uh, from wife that I married out of college and and recognized that, that I was in the wrong relationship because I was in a relationship with someone who couldn't handle entrepreneurship. And uh, several years later, I, I got remarried. So uh, married to, to Mary now, and, and she's a rock star and she's my rock. And she understands and supports entrepreneurship. And so I, I will tell you that the best decision I ever made was being in a relationship with someone who really embraced the journey. Because I, I don't care how successful you think someone is behind closed doors. It's a struggle. We, we, sh- we all struggle every day. And so being having that support system and being married to the right woman for me uh, is huge. And I, I guess the, the flip side of that from a professional standpoint is the, the thing I'm most proud of is the team I've been able to, to, to assemble. Uh, and it's humbling because I've got I've got a 50 rock stars in this building that that work with me every day to achieve our mission here at XY Planning Network to you know to to bring real financial planning to consumers and you know they they could have opted to go anywhere and I'm I'm really proud and and honored by the fact that we were able to articulate our mission in a way that that attracted the right people that were really here for the right reasons and and want to be able to help make the world a better place by being sure more and more Americans have access to real financial planning and not just uh, a sales pitch for a, for a variable annuity. So it's an honor to, to be able to work with the people that I do. They say uh, vision without execution is hallucination. Those of us who are visionaries who are nine quick starts, we tend to be uh, hallucinators. So it's, it's an honor to be able to, to have the people around me that uh, are able to execute on that vision and, and do the real work around here, which is actually you know, making that, that dream a reality. Well, you're definitely doing it, and it's been exciting for me to watch. And so, I've been, uh, you know, a big fan. For our listeners, Alan, if, if they want to reach out to you, where's what's the easiest way for them to find Alan Moore? Just you can hit me up on Twitter, uh, r underscore Alan underscore Moore, or you can shoot me an email at Alan A L A N at xyplanningnetwork.com. Uh, if you email me in the month of December, expect an auto reply, and uh, I'll circle back and. Probably February uh, will be about when I get dug out of email hell. So, but uh, no, d- definitely shoot me an email if uh, there's any questions or, or want to follow up on anything. Alan, man, I appreciate you coming, man. It's been, uh, there are very few people that you can have some of these conversations with. And I really appreciate you being willing to, uh, to share it with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on the show. All right. Now, to our listeners, if that's you, if you're dealing with the struggles of entrepreneurship, you know, this show is about growth, but you can't grow if, if you don't have things in order. And, and so sometimes things are hard. And so if that's you, whether you're trying to figure out alternative fee structures or if you're just trying to pl- find a place to fit in, if you're dealing with some of those struggles of depression, uh, addiction, alcoholism, I know, believe me, I know. It's uncomfortable, but do know that uh, both Alan and I are great people that you can certainly feel comfortable reaching out to. And I hope you would. If you're dealing with that stuff and you need somebody to talk to, I just want you to know you can hit me up, reach out to me on Facebook via the Facebook group or or Instant Messenger. Or And I I don't normally do this because I don't use Twitter as often. Or you can DM me on on Twitter and that's uh, chip underscore mun. And uh, just be glad to have a personal and private conversation with you uh, about any of the struggles that you're having uh, or uh, about business and, and growing. Just reach out. Just want you to know that uh, more than anything, that there are people who care and that there are community advisors out there 
that are happy to support you. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks, and I'll be back at you again real soon. To download what we believe is the single most important marketing, selling, and positioning tool for your practice, go to MaximumAdvisor.com slash scorecard now. Subscribe to this show anywhere you listen to podcasts or at MaximumAdvisor.com.